Where'd you get all those cookies? Oh, you remember that tattoo that I got where I like put like dark magic into it so mm. I could summon cookies because I want to be a cookie eater instead yeah. of a death eater, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I've been playing with it. Mm. It's pretty awesome. Well, yeah, that's cool. But um, what are you going to do with all of it? Uh, eat them, obviously. <laughs> So anyway, so anyway, you know, I was thinking, right, the other day about how I imbued all of that dark magic mm. into this tattoo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did it for the cookies. Yes. Right? Mm. But our logo has more than just cookies on it. So there's life, death, and cookies, right? Mm-hmm. So what would happen if I pressed on life or on death? I'm just curious, because I haven't tried that yet. I don't think anything will happen. Because I have a theory. I think, I uh, no. Uh, didn't you have like some daffodils around here? They're like dying. Uh, yeah. Can you grab one? Here. Yeah. All right. It's definitely so, dying. Yes, it is. All right. So if my theory is correct, well, let's see what happens. Ready? So... Life. Ready? Okay. Dude, check that out. Oh my gosh, it worked. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That is, because daffodils are my favorite. Yay! Yeah, so now you can have fresh daffodils all the time. <laughs> I mean, as long as I keep up my stores of dark magic, yeah. right? <laughs> but, so if that works, then what happens when I press on death? No! Welcome back to Life, Death, and Cookies. My name is Oliver Tanner. And I'm Char Tanner. And we are not dead. Everything is okay. Sorry if we scared you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so... We're in a new setting today. Yeah, we're in a new setting today. This is actually take two of this episode, or 2.5, I don't know. We had some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, you guys don't know about that, but we do. This is the second time we filmed this, so we hope that it's as engaging as the first time. <laughs> and uh, the first time was really good. Yeah. I was really disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, we do have technical difficulties. We're working on ironing them out, but... Way you know, too often. We, well, this is what happens when you try uh, working on a budget of basically nothing <laughs> to try to, you know, do video and stuff like that. But, you know, so we appreciate you guys joining us and supporting us. And sticking around. Yeah, and sticking <laughs> around, uh, you know. And we appreciate your patience as we work on these hiccups and yes. complications and everything else. Uh, but yes, we are in a new uh, location. You may recognize uh, nothing here except for us. <laughs> yeah. uh, because, so, there's a window you see back there. You've seen that window before, but the other side of it when we were recording on our porch. And now, welcome to our new home. Yeah. So we're here in our dining room in Osawatomie, Kansas. And... Uh, this is an exciting thing for us because we have actually been trying to get to this point for a while. Uh, we've been putting boxes away and unpacking and rearranging like crazy for the past couple weeks to try and get this right here. This moment. This is the moment. <laughs> and many more after. I, there's probably a song that I, I've started thinking in my head but i don't know it well enough this yet. magic moment no like this well, is the moment but this, i don't know this is the moment i don't know i don't know i just made that up <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real song uh so anyway um welcome and let's start getting gritty okay so the nitty-gritty of this episode is um getting to actually saying I love you to an estranged parent. So this is part two from last week of saying I love you to an estranged parent. Last week, we 
focused on, we discussed the actually getting yourself to feeling the love for an estranged parent or I don't know if feeling's the right word, but... um, Kind of the internal work of being ready to, uh, removing from yourself the anger and the hatred and, and all of those things, you know, that hold you back from being able to say, I love you yes. uh, to somebody or to say it and believe it. Yeah. Right. Um, so it might be helpful to go back and watch um, episode, I believe that was episode Episode 13, 13. yes. Sorry. I keep these things numbered on my iPad. So. Um, see, and I do it by title. Yes. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so... We keep each other in line, basically. (laughs) Or maybe we don't. Um, So it would probably be helpful to go back and watch um, last week's episode, episode 13, to have that kind of preliminary because um, today we're talking about saying I love you. But as we've talked about throughout this season especially, but we um, is that you can't just say I love you. It's more than words. Yes. And that kind of gets into um, the bulk of the nitty-gritty. And my first thing is to just do it. Just say I love you. So um, you can plan what you're going to say or don't plan what to say. Um, And I think for, for at least saying I love you. So there's the four things from Dr. Ira Byock's book, The Four Things That Matter Most, is... I forgive you, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. And we've started with I love you first. Okay. And I feel like that maybe um, not planning out anything extra for I love you, it, you know, not having explanations or buts, it would just be, you know, you might want to plan out something for the other things to explain them, but for the I love you, you would just say it. See, and I'm not necessarily sold on that um, just no plan and just... Because we're talking about complicated relationships. Yes. We're talking about, um, uh, you know, if there's some estrangement... um, I don't know on whose side the estrangement occurred, um, but just it being there makes for a complicated um, relationship. And just saying it might not really be possible. And there might need to be, I mean, look, I understand that this is the fourth thing of the things that need to be said, but there's probably going to be a lot more said than just, I love you. And even if you were to attempt it, the complicated nature of the relationship might not make it really work out for you. The fact of the matter is that in a relationship, there are two sides. And whether it's you or the other person, both sides of the relationship have to engage. And if you go and you try and say, I love you, and the other side won't hear it or won't accept it or wants to turn it into an argument or some other dumb thing, then I don't know. Well, I just don't think that it's... Uh, I think that Ira Bayak is oversimplifying it. Yeah, and I, I think that this is a legitimate thing. And I started out last season when I first introduced this book, um, when we talked about it in um, Grieving the Death of an Estranged Parent, that's when we first introduced this book. And I think it's a lot of good information in it, but it it becomes complicated when it's an estranged family member. And he does cover that. But I think that, um, you know, because... Well, he covers it, but like, so I have not read the book. Yeah. Okay, so full disclosure, I haven't read the book. But what you've told me before is that all of the examples that he gives in the book, everything works out. Yeah, it's and it's always experiences. It's yes. always successful in the end. And 
you know, okay, so maybe my uh, views, my opinions are tainted uh, by my own biases or my own experience, but I do have some experience in this. And my experience is more along the lines of, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Because when my dad was dying, so um, we went and we tried to, I mean, we went to California and I tried just sending a text saying, hey, we want to come and provide a meal for you. And, you know, uh, one thing about me, I speak a little bit better with food than with words sometimes, okay? Uh, it's one of the things I like about food. I feel like food can almost act as a language in and of itself, can communicate things. And so I, I had a meal. I wanted to just provide a good meal and take it and have a positive experience with uh, my parents. And uh, I was shut down. And it did not uh, go well. Well, you weren't even... No, I wasn't even allowed in. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we didn't even get yeah, the opportunity. It, took, it was a bunch of dumb arguing with my mom over text because, I don't know, it was all a bunch of nonsense. But it was a bunch of, she got upset and was like, well, I don't think that you should even come around here. And I was like, look, all I want to do is make you a meal. That's it. And so in the end, it just came down to me saying, look, here's the deal. I'm going to make a meal. I'm going to show up at your house and I'm going to knock on the door. And you can either, you have one of three options. Either one, you can answer the door. We can come in. We can all share a nice meal together. Two, you can come to the door and we can argue and we can fight and we can have a big blow up and have a big confrontation. Or three, uh, you can just not answer the door and we'll just leave the food. But one way or another, we were going to do our part and we mm. were going to uh, take the meal. And so I did. I went to lengths to make it a meal that would be special for my father specifically, right? Um, and it didn't work out. But not only my experience, but even my siblings. So some of my siblings went and tried to visit him before we even went to California, and mm -hmm. they did manage to get in the door, mm -hmm. although I found out later that it took a little bit of trickery just to get in the door, mm -hmm. um, and they did not have a good experience at all. In fact, it turned into a big blow-up and uh, lots of yelling and uh, just a lot of really dumb stuff because, um, you know, they had gone trying to just say, look, you're dying, okay? We just want to say, uh, we forgive you, we love you, blah, 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 and just leave it, right? And say, I'm unburdening myself of the hatred, and that's it. And, uh, yeah, it didn't go very well. Because there are two parts to these relationships. It isn't as simple as, oh, you know what? I love you, and there, it's all done. And now, it's great, because we can all hold hands and smile as you die. yeah. No, I think that, and that's something that I, um, I presented when we first presented this book is like, I don't know if I totally agree with this and I, and I've continued to, I read the book again and we're discussing it more in depth and putting our own, um, our own experience and, and research into this, these four things as well. Mm -hmm. But, um, and but I feel like that Dr. Bayok um, missed an opportunity because there's people like us right. that didn't have good experience. And then you go and read this. Like I read this and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Where, where, there's something missing right, here. Right. And, um, and I think that he missed an opportunity of maybe presenting, okay, sometimes it doesn't always work out great but here's some things that you can do to try and find that closure that healing and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today right well I think that uh there's a couple things one I think that if you're if your name is doctor or if you have doctor in front of your name and you decide to write a book you need to understand um one thing above all um Anybody who reads that book is going to hold you accountable for your words. 
Okay, and if you say, uh, you know what, do this, do X, and Y will happen, then people are going to say, well, he's a doctor. He should know. He's the expert. And it doesn't matter if you're just like, well, I mean, I think that's my best guess from my experience. It doesn't matter. You have doctor in front of your name, and so you already have an expectation of being a trustworthy source. That's the world that we live in, whether you like it or not. Um, and... I also understand, so I think Dr. Bayok needs, maybe didn't really think uh, about that fully. Maybe uh, he did, I don't know. And then the other thing that needs to be accounted for is uh, the fact that um, when you write a book, when you uh, have something like this, okay, you want to have positive things to say because you want people to feel good when they read it, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's this temptation to only put in the good stuff, to only put in the good stories because you want people to feel good. You don't want people to read your book and go, well, hold on, so this might not work. You don't want to sow doubt in your own advice. However, if you are going to be honest you have to put in the parts that sow the doubt. You have to put in the negative stories as well. And that is the, the other big area where I think uh, there's a big uh, shortcoming with this is in failing to put in the negative things, failing to really uh, adequately educate the reader on the risks and educate them on the fact that this might all blow up in your face. This might not work at all. Because when people go in saying, well, uh, he's a doctor, so I should trust him, or whatever position of authority, uh, reverend is another one, bishop, uh, whoever, right? If you go in with a position of authority and you say, hey, do this thing, um, you need to understand the fact that people are going to take you a little bit more seriously. They're going to feel like they can trust you. And when it doesn't work out, if you don't tell them this might not work out, then the temptation is going to be there, the risk is going to be there, that rather than valuing your words and maybe taking value where it can from the other parts of your message that are valid, okay, they're just going to say, this guy's a freaking idiot and he doesn't know anything and then turn against your message entirely. Well, it didn't, like for me, um, even reading this after I had my not positive experience, but I did feel inspired by it. But I did also feel like this, what, what did I do wrong, right? Yeah. Because I didn't have a good experience. And I guess I should kind of um, summarize. You can go back and rewatch my part of the story from uh, Grieving and a Strange Parent. But I can say, so we all went, my dad's dying. He has cancer. And um, we happened to be in California where my dad lives you know, where I was from, uh, for my brother's wedding. And, um, he was pretty close to dying. He was able to come to the wedding, but, um, he, he ended up dying while we were there. But before that, so in between the wedding and before, in between his death, um, all, we know he's dying. So all my siblings, whoever was there, I don't remember everyone that was there, but, um, they all went to, and my mom, my mom and dad were divorced and my dad was remarried. Right. We all went. To his house. Yeah, to his bedside. He's not speaking anymore. Um, barely, he's not eating anymore. You know, those steps, uh, those who know cancer, those steps that you know he's getting there. He's barely drinking anything. So he's okay. getting there. So this is like the goodbye thing. And I don't know if I really knew I went mainly to support my family and because everyone was going, you stayed at home with the kids right. or not at home. We were, um, well, where we were staying. Yeah. Where yes. we we're staying. Um, and I went and I didn't know really, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember what I expected from this thing, but basically they, they, I don't know if everyone did this thing, but they each, you know, my, my siblings that had good, relationships started with you know and did basically this thing and yeah. then they were like okay Char it's your turn 
And I was like, what? This was not something I wanted to do. Yeah. And they had me get all close to him, like half hug him while he's laying in the bed, right? And like, they're just like, say. Were they like coaching you on what to do? Yeah, just tell, tell you, tell you that, tell them that you love them and anything else you want to say to them. While we all stand here and watch. Yeah, everyone's there. Oh, <laughs> no, and, and so I felt really. Tell them personal things while we all stand here and watch <laughs> and listen to the whole thing. This isn't creepy because we say so. It's okay. It's okay. I just, right. I feel really. I'm just saying, guys, seriously, look. I did. I felt really pressured, and it was not a good experience. And looking back now, um, I think it was more detrimental yeah. to me that experience. I think because now I now this I don't know how many years it's been now, but now I'm getting to the point where I'm like I'm gonna write them. I'm gonna. I'm talking about this later. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna get to that. What you're going to do about it. Yes. But at the time, it was not a good experience. And just going and saying the words, I love you, didn't actually do anything. No. And so this is what I'm talking about. I don't know that I necessarily agree with the, hey, you know what? Just do it. Okay? Because, look, if if you're just doing this purely uh, for uh, the other person, I guess, I don't know. I think that if it's a one-sided thing, if it's just for you or if it's just for them, I don't think that it's going to work out. Because, like I say, relationships have multiple sides and it has to be engaged in uh, by all sides. And, you know, I think that your experience might have been different if maybe other people hadn't pressured you into going... But I didn't feel maybe, pressure to go. I chose to go. Well, from what I remember, there was pressure to go. Oh. All of your siblings were I going. I have a brain problem. Uh, well, from what I remember, all of your siblings were going, and it was because I remember we discussed this. And, oh, did and, I not want to go? And you were like, I don't really want to go. And I was like, well, if you don't want to go, then you shouldn't go. And uh, you're like, but all of my siblings are going to be there, and everybody else is going to be there, and... I feel like I have to go. And I, and I was like, all right, well, you know what? Uh, if you really want to go, then, you know, if you feel like you have to or if you feel like you should, then, uh, you know, Actually, I'll support that, you that with that. Sound but, uh, you know, and I was memory. kind of like, I'll just stay here with the kids. Um, but, yeah, we had a discussion about it ahead of time. And then you came back and you were not happy. And I was like, you shouldn't have gone. Um, but, you know, all that uh, being said, I think that, you know, because we're talking about this two-sided relationship, uh, or in other words, relationship. Yeah, yeah. they're all two-sided, right? So we're talking about this relationship. I think that your experience would have been different if maybe there had been something, like maybe he had said something or written something to you ahead of time saying, Shar, I want you to come visit me before I die. Or saying, Shar, will you come visit me? Do you think that would have changed it all? Um, maybe. I, I mean, I could see maybe, but only if it was including you, if it would have only been... That me being invited, I wouldn't have gone. Okay. Because um, because we're a package. So um, because I know that my dad had uh, issues with you as well. Yes. And um, so it, it's important to me that it would have been both of us. So maybe I shouldn't have gone without you. But... I didn't feel, I didn't, I wasn't expecting this to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that was one of the things that I didn't like about it afterwards is it seemed like 
it turned out to be more than what was represented to us that it was going to be. Like, you weren't expecting it to be like, sure, come cuddle with Dad. <laughs> Definitely not. Anyway, and, let's And I, was, I wasn't expecting it. You weren't expecting it, right? And so, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so, it, I mean, we're trying to talk about your personal experience. It seems like you're getting uncomfortable. Are you trying to change the subject here, Shar? Well, yes, and I want to get down to the things that will actually help other people that may feel like, you know, I think that you should still read the book and maybe, I don't know, you just have to go by your instincts, yeah. whether it'll work. And we tried, we, you, I mean, you weren't going to say the four things necessarily, I don't know. We didn't really have like a huge plan going into it that right. I remember with your parents, but you know, you we I lost my train of thought. But we were planning on going to do this type of thing, even though you knew that there was a possibility it wouldn't go well. Right. And you just have to go off of the instincts because maybe so. And if you read, I encourage you to still read. The book, because there are inspirational stories of like, I cannot believe that those people mended before the dad right. died. Right. It. I just want people to be aware that despite all your hopes, despite all your prayers, um, seriously, you have no clue how many prayers were said uh, over uh, the situation with my parents. I mean, years of praying and working and trying, um, despite all the hopes, despite all the prayers, everybody has their own free agency. And it might not go the way that you want it to. Maybe it will. Um, before my dad died in 2012, I visited him in the hospital, had an experience there that was very unexpected. Mm -hmm. He was a lot more receptive and a lot more open at that point. Um, before he died, not so much. Now... Well, we don't even know if he wasn't. Well, I guess he wasn't with your siblings. Yeah, so. he, he was... He, And yes, I never actually communicated with him directly because we did all of our communication through text message with my mother. She was the one who communicated, and it was communicating with her that things blew up. I don't know how he would have reacted or anything else. The only clue that I had was then afterward when uh, we met with some of my siblings and talked about their experience and learned about how it blew up, you know, with him being kind of belligerent, you know. Anyway... So, and, you know, we talked about kind of this, you know, removing the hatred and the anger and all this stuff and forgiveness, right? And we talked about that a lot last time. And the risk is, and this is a thing that you need to understand when you're going into these things, okay? So I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying be frozen in fear of things going wrong. Do it, okay? Because you need to learn how to do things even when you're afraid, even when you think that they can turn out very poorly. The risk is that after you've done all this work of forgiving, that then, you know, say you take all of the weight, all of the crap, all of everything, and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to let it go. And then you go visit this person, and it turns into a big blow-up. And then what does it become? Well, it just becomes another incident in the whole string of incidents that have caused all these problems. And then, you know, that one incident, well, what does it do? It brings back everything else where you put in all this work to let it go. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, you're still the same freaking bitter insert words here that I won't say, you know, that you always were. Um and so then it just becomes a new thing that then you have to go. Now I have to go back and I have to let go of all of the other things that, 
again and let go of the new thing. And it just, it's one more thing to add onto the pile. And so, you know, understand that that may happen or it may work out. The only way you're going to find out though is by trying. And so as much as I may sound like I'm saying run for the hills, uh, and I, re I recognize that that might be what it sounds like. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying move forward. I'm saying do it. I'm saying try to visit and try to say I love you. Try to express love in whatever way uh, suits you best and is going to communicate best for you. So do that. Just understand it might not exactly work out. And I think that in in some cases and I think um it it's okay like you didn't get your chance or mine didn't go how I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So there's alternative things that you can do. Um if they're still alive, you might be able to call uh do whether it's a phone call or like a video chat. I mean that might not go well either. Yeah. But these are just, we're just talking the options, right? Right, right. Um, texting or an email, um, making a video and sending it, um, or writing a letter and mailing it. Or in the case of if they're already gone, like I plan on writing a letter to my dad, even though he's gone, and saying the four things, but also saying all those things, like I mentioned in the Grieving and Estranged Parent episode, I never said all the things that were on my heart and mind to my dad. Right. And the, so the difficult things, the difficult the things, things that are not necessarily fun. Yeah. And those not, do have to be said also. Yeah. So not necessarily the four things, but the things that the, the truth and what happened, you know, we never, we never had that discussion. And, um, yeah. And, and I do want to just touch briefly on the fact that, you know, there seems to be this stigma a lot of times that if somebody's dying, we can't say anything negative. Or somebody who has died. Well, we can't, we can't speak ill of the dead. We can't say anything negative about the dead. Well, if there were problems, you can say it. It's not really fair to uh, punish the living by telling them you have to hold your tongue and you cannot let go. You can't let out any of this pain that has been uh, caused by this other person or that uh, has existed in this relationship. You have to keep your mouth shut from now on because this person is dying or because this person is dead. Well, I'm sorry, but no, that's not acceptable. Uh, it's not an acceptable way to... Uh, force a person into a way of being so that it makes other people more comfortable, mm -hmm. right? Look, if there's negative things to be said, then they need to be said at some point. And the, sure, the best way to do it is dealing with the person directly while they're still alive and while they're still capable mm -hmm. of hashing it out. Maybe sometimes Well, there are situations that you aren't, probably not safe situations. Okay, so if there's... Uh, do it, yes, in a safe way, mm. okay? If that means shackling the person before you say things, then okay, shackle the other person before you say things. But those things, there are things that have to be said. And there are things that need to be brought out, need to be hashed, or need to be worked out. And maybe the other person is just going to be selfish and narcissistic and refuse to hear it, okay? And... This isn't just me uh, flapping my uh, mouth here and just saying things. This is what Jesus Christ himself actually prescribed for, do, uh, for people to do. Sorry. Uh, he prescribed that if you have a problem with your brother, as he put it, could be your father, your mother, your friend, whoever, even your sister. Okay? But... If you have a problem with your brother, then go to that person directly, you and him alone. Okay? So this also means don't go and run it through the gossip mill first. All right? Gossip is toxic and it destroys relationships even better than uh, all the things we've already been talking about. So 
don't run it through the gossip mill. Go between the two of you directly first. And if they hear you, if they hear you and they listen and you can talk it out, then, you know, as Jesus Christ says, you have found your brother and the relationship will be restored. And if not, well, then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that he says that has to do with like elders and evidence and, and all that. So we're not get we can get into that some other time if people really want us to do. Mm. But, um, you know, that was kind of a lot more of, you know, things that were specific to organization of the church and things like that in his mm. day. But the point is that, you know, you try to resolve things with the individual. You don't let things sit and fester. You don't just try to ignore it. You don't just say, well, you know what? We're going to let the past be the past. You try to resolve things with the person. And if they will listen, that's the thing. If they will listen, then things can be restored and even be made better than they were before. The problem is when people don't, and that's where things fall apart. Um. So I think we could go on to other ways to say I love you to an estranged parent or strange family okay. member. Um, and I put as, if you miss the opportunity or if you feel like, um, I mean, these are things you should do anyway. Okay. Whether you say it to them, but these are ways to show love to an estranged parent, right. whether you say it or not. So the first one is to become the best version of yourself. Um, maybe that's part of uh, ending the cycle of abuse, but just all around, just become the best version of yourself. Not to be like, I'm better than you, but... Right, right, right. Yeah, no, and, and this is actually one that I've thought about a lot. Uh, because I've had a lot of people who have, over the years, heard of my experience with my parents... When I was serving my mission, I felt like I needed to write home and say, hey, you guys need to change things. Basically, you guys need to repent or you're going to regret this later on and you're going to destroy your family. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had accusations from them and I've had accusations from other people that I was not that I was disobeying the commandment to honor thy father and thy mother. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was not honoring my father or my mother. And. Look, whatever my parents taught me, whether they taught me properly or improperly, whatever they did, my personal feeling is that the best way for me to honor my father and my mother is to be the very best version of me that I can be. Yeah. Because most people, uh, most people don't know anything about me or whatever. And the automatic assumption... People are going to see when they, if they see me do good, what's the automatic assumption? Well, he was raised, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and even if they don't assume that, take that out of the picture. The best way for me to honor them is to be a better me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, I put it, yes. I put it down. Um, the next thing is to show those who are closest to you the love that you missed out on. So... Be a loving person to those that you love. Okay. Pretty simple, I think. Um, well, and I would say that in here, you know, again, we're going back to, sorry, I'm getting all Jesus-y with people this week, but... Um, we did look, that a lot last hey, week. Hey, it's, it's who I am. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, but, you know, this is another thing Jesus Christ talked about. He said, love your enemies. Do good. To those who despitefully use you and persecute you, right? Show uh, those who, show them love. You do good for them. You try to do good for them. Well, I'm you talking about like, because you don't have, I mean, that's true. Thank you. <laughs> but I was specifically in this talking about, you know, like you weren't shown the love from your parents. So you love oh, your children okay, okay. and you love your wife so, and... All right. Well, that's boring though. Why do I want to... I'm just kidding. Yes. So, yes. Show that you've learned the lessons and, you know, and I think we have talked about this before, but understand that 
sometimes with people who are abused. They rationalize the abuse. They can't come to grips, I think, with the thought or the idea that my parents did not actually love me. And so they rationalize and they go, ah, no, what was done to me was love. And when they do that, then they kind of warp their own understanding and then they act it out themselves. They become abusers, but they don't realize it because they go, no, what was done to me was love. Therefore, I am loving in return. And uh, so going along with what you're saying, yes, learn the lesson and say, what was done to me was not okay. What was done to me was not love. And I'm going to do differently. I'm going to love the people in my life. Well, there's also the, the opposite, though, um, is, and I hadn't thought about this because we, anyway, the opposite of, being like, I know that I wasn't loved and I'm going to show the, the best love and go the total, complete opposite and being... Yes, and I realize, look, maybe some of my views, all or all of my views, are heavily skewed by my experience, which was a little bit extreme. So, yes, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be telling people who are not in extremes. No, I, I know I'm saying... I'm just, no, I'm just... I I am saying that I'm agreeing with what you're saying, but I'm also saying that you have to be careful as well as if you know that you weren't loved mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm not going to do one single thing like my parents did, which right. may or may not be right. Right. Um, Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes, exactly. Is that you still need, like, you get might go of, the opposite get rid of the negative and, things, like, but keep... The good things. Yeah. And still, Even if there's only like and still one parent your children. Yes. <laughs> yes. So don't just say, well, my mom was going in that direction. Therefore, I'm just going to go the opposite direction. You have to understand what it was that your mom did that was wrong. What it was your dad did that was wrong. Figure out what exactly those things were. And then correct those things. Don't just... Like we said, throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, well, the whole thing is garbage. Yeah. You know? Um, and that takes work. And it takes discernment. And it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. So the next thing um, we touched on um, a little bit last week, but we are going to go into depth more when we get to the I forgive you and please forgive me. But it's find forgiveness for your estranged parent or family member. And of course... As we've talked about forgiveness, um, that's much easier said than done. Yes. Um, but working on it, just working on it. You don't have to achieve it um, tomorrow or next year. But just working on it will bring great... Well, the year after that, you do. <laughs> it will great, it'll bring great blessings to you. And like I said, we'll talk more about that when we get to the forgiveness. But we, we talk about forgiveness a lot. In this yeah, I know. We're podcast. always talking about that garbage, aren't we? Jeez. But um, anyway, those are some of the things that I have thought of that we can do to say you can actually say it. And there's different ways to actually say it. Like you said, you use cooking. We talked about it um, sometime recently. There was a story of the guy shaving yeah. his father. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't have to always look the same. Right. And um, you just, it really takes a lot of going by, uh, you know, I don't know, the intuition. We would say spirit, yeah. you know. Um, and, and again, you know, I do want to recognize because I do recognize that our uh, views on this are shaped by our own experiences and whatnot. And I have had some extreme experiences, okay? And not everybody has had extreme experiences. And look, fact of the matter is, sometimes the estrangement is the cause of the parents. Sometimes the estrangement might be your fault. It might be the 
or I mean, we're not necessarily just talking about parent-child relationships. Yeah. Maybe it's the other person's fault. Maybe it's your fault. And at all times, question, um, you know, sorry, I'm getting all Jesus-y again. You know, Lord, is it I? You need to ask that question. You need to say, am I really the problem? Is it really me? Or is it the other person? And um, understand that the, pro the solutions we come up with, we come from some extreme situations. So, you know, maybe your situation isn't as extreme. But either way, uh, you know, as we are limited in our experiences and whatnot, we do want to hear from you. So, you know, this becomes our call to action or whatever. Our request to you this week, please, um, will you please go to our Facebook page and, you know, what are some ideas? How would you go about this? What counsel would you give to somebody on how to say I love you to an estranged uh, family member? Yeah. Um, so will you please do that? Because um, we want to learn from you. If it's something of a really personal nature and you don't want to post it on Facebook for the whole world to see, you can send us a message. You can send us an email. Uh, I think uh, email is uh, accessible on our Facebook page, correct? Uh, um, yeah, it should be listed there. But Okay. It's well, also, you can just go to our website, scratchmadeliving.com, and you can find, kind of, just scroll down the page till you see the Life, Death, and But it's always in the description of the episode, Okay, well, then too. do that, too. You can click, yeah, on yeah. the description Sorry, of the Sorry, we're episode. getting all complicated with yeah. websites and Facebook and whatever. Anyway, you know, we want to hear from people. We want some interaction. Um, we want to learn... As much as we want to be able to give something worthwhile to other people to consider. For so, sure, yes. Anyway, I guess, does that wrap us up for the grittiness yeah, of the nittiness? So. I think we should go on to um, our segment, our fun segment. Okay. So for this week... We did a B movie. Mm -hmm. All right. This is always fun. All right. So we have one of our B movie reviews. And this week, it was my turn, right? And so I found this on Tubi. It's available on Roku, Tubi, Canopy, and Pluto. And the movie is called Night of the Comet. Okay. It's from 1984. And it was also known as Teenage Mutant Horror Comet Zombies. Okay, I think they changed it because it was too similar to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um, plus, there were kind of some ninjas in the movie, sort of. Um, anyway, Teenage Mutant Horror Comet Zombies uh, or Night of the Comet. So it, the, I'll just read you the synopsis real quick. It's a comedy horror sci-fi says, a comet wipes out most of life on Earth, leaving two valley girls fighting against cannibal zombies and a sinister group of scientists. Um, all right. So I found this under the cult classics section on Tubi. Uh, so apparently it's a cult classic, which says that... Somebody watches There's it a bunch of people who like it uh, yeah. for some reason. Um and it was very much a B-movie. Like, watching it, so it did have some actors in it that I know I've seen in movies before, mm -hmm. right? There were some people who definitely looked familiar. Um, but watching it, it seemed like the kind of thing that back in the 80s you would expect to see as the second feature at a drive-in movie theater, which is exactly what a B-movie would be, mm -hmm. right? It's not just low-budget crappy movie. It's nobody really expected it to be a blockbuster. I did think that, so the main character, I, I thought that she was a decent 
actress. Um, right. Well, I'm not saying the people in B movies don't try. Yeah. Because a lot of times the people in B movies are they are trying. Mm-hmm. It's just the movie is ridiculous, <laughs> right? Yeah. And this movie was no exception to that. This movie was absolutely ridiculous. And um, I thought it was on the better side of the ones that we've on watched. On the better side of ridiculous? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was. But it was, it was kind of ridiculous. Uh, it was, I, I guess you could say it was fun. Um, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, but, you know, kind of the premise, some of the effects were kind of uh, silly. Uh, there were some plot holes that didn't really De- make sense. Definitely the plot um, holes thing. I, we, I remember there was one time, Lindy and I, at the same time, we went, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and there were some, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't as predictable as I thought it was. Yeah, going. that's true. There were a few times during the movie that I was like, oh, hey, watch, now this is going to happen. And then and it, didn't, it didn't happen. Ha- yeah. So... Kudos to you, uh, Night of the Comet, for not being 100% predictable. Yeah. But you were uh, largely predictable. Um, and then it was nice at the end. There was a kind of a joke from earlier in the movie that kind of made a comeback at the end. And then it was like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> it wasn't really that funny. Yeah. But it was just kind of like, oh, okay. That's, I guess it was cute. Yeah, so, yeah. The the ending was it, it helped to give it a a happier, more resolved ending. I guess. Well, and that's the thing. That's the ending was kind of like. So it what happened to? I mean, like there yeah, were hardly so, any so zombies. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Yeah, there weren't very many zombies. <laughs> there were only a few. Um, you know, they were. Two valley girls fighting against cannibal zombies. That only happened a couple times. And then, uh, like, one of the predictable parts was uh, I kind of figured out who one of the bad guys was. Like, he, so there's this scientist, right? And the scientists are uh, kind of posed. They try to pose them in the movie as the good guys. These are the people who are going to come and say... They've been working on a solution. They're trying to save humanity. And then it turns out, you know, and this is, sorry, this is your, I already gave you your spoiler alert. Um, They're the bad guys. But I knew that they were going to be the bad guys because there's one actor who's kind of like the lead scientist. I can't remember his name right now. Um, But I know I've seen him in other things. He's not like a big actor, but I know I've seen him in other things. And I know that every time I've seen him, he's always a bad guy. He's always like a jerk, a big grump or, you know, bad guy in some other way. So I was like, all right, he's a bad guy because he's always a bad guy. And that was one of the plot holes, I think, too, is that they were like these scientists working on like basically type like a cure type of thing. Mm -hmm. But it had only been like three days. Right. <laughs> they were right. like all in this like bunkered bunkered down and I'm like Right. Well and the other one of the <laughs> other things that kind of got me was at the end, so the scientists get them to this underground facility and they're gonna like, you know, drain their blood to try to make a serum to save themselves or whatever, right? It's it's all kind of ridiculous. And so then one of their friends is like trying to break him out and he takes some dynamite and he sets up a bomb with gasoline and all this other stuff on this one car, one car. There's like three or four cars outside, but he picks this one car. And then when they're trying to get away, of course, all of the scientists, like a freaking clown car, they all decide to get into this one car. (laughs) Everybody is in this one car. So convenient, right? And then somebody in there is like, hmm, I smell gas. What's that? Whoa, we can't go yet. And of course, the the bad guy who's all, you know, the that I already mentioned, he's all, no, let's go. And then he reaches over and boom, you know, it's it was all very convenient. 
Oh, okay, I think we've given too many spoilers for okay, this movie. Okay, I'm sorry. Look, go watch the movie. Decide for yourself. Yeah, this is one I think that... It's not as... It's okay. It's... I would give it... So we... So as far as stars go, out of ten stars, I would give it a five. I would give it, I think, a six. And Joseph gives it a four. All right. So that's an average of a five. I win. Okay. Uh, anyway, I guess so that's about it. Let it, it watch it and let yeah. us know what you give it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to just go straight into our cookies today. Yep, I think we shall. Hey, Joe, can you slide those cookies over? All right. So, for our cookies this week... Um, those are So, hefty. I have never actually been to Mrs. Fields. I went to Mrs. Fields in the mall, however, and I got these. These are peanut butter something bars. Uh, well, it looks like um, so, chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, it looks which like is chocolate chip cookie, uh, chocolate, peanut butter filling, and then more chocolate. Uh, so uh, I'm, I don't remember exactly what the name of this is. We will put it in the description, though. Okay. All right. Oh. I was expecting it to be, I don't know, like, it's really heavy. So I was expecting mm -hmm. it to be more, I don't know, not this soft. It, like, just glid it because the top layer is... Peanut butter. Right. Well, the peanut butter layer is really soft. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just peanut butter. Um, the peanut butter? The, what's on top is more of a ganache than just chocolate. Uh, so it's a little bit softer. It's not biting through tempered chocolate. Yeah. Right. And uh, the cookie is not um, baked into oblivion. So, you know. So the the peanut butter portion tastes like Reese's Pieces to me. Sort of. It it tastes... I mean, the whole thing is all right. I think that the combination works. I think the peanut butter overpowers the cookie, though. Like, I can't... No, I don't know. I can get the cookie in there. I think the cookie is there more of... As more of the texture element... Right? Mm-hmm. I do think that the peanut butter is definitely strong. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does overpower it a little bit. I think it tastes okay. Um, but, I mean, this is pretty heavy. This is like, um, I, I don't even want to know how many calories it is. Because <laughs> that's a lot of sugar. It is... Uh, very, very sweet. The peanut butter part is extremely sweet, like almost like that sweetness where you can feel it in the back of your throat, mm -hmm. you know. So that's what I'm uh, getting from it. It's all right. Um, yeah, I was tasting just the cookie part on the bottom, and it's not a great chocolate chip cookie. Okay, so I don't know, maybe the cookie needs the other stuff. It's okay, it's uh. It's a yeah. fun, it's fun. If you love Mrs. Fields cookies, um, I don't care. I'm just kidding. I do care. Uh, and so, I don't know. If you've had this before, then let us know. Um, if you like Mrs. Fields cookies. This was my first time going. I didn't know what to get. I just looked at it and I was like, ah, okay, that looks good. Sure, why not? What What are we supposed to get at Mrs. Fields cookies? Yeah, What's we a can special go again. We can go again. Um, so, yeah. I think that's pretty it, much it's it. A fun, it's a fun concept. I, I just, I think I would have done the peanut butter part thinner. Yeah. Then it wouldn't have been so um, rich. Yeah. But I think that if we were going to do it. See, the other thing is, I guarantee this is all milk chocolate. And we would have done dark chocolate. Of course. Um, 
I think that when you go milk, chocolate, sweet filling, all that stuff, that's what makes it too overly sweet. Oh, yeah. The dark and so chocolate the dark chocolate would have pulled that back a little bit more. And you could have had that sweet filling and it wouldn't have been overwhelming Balance with all more. of the other sweet stuff. Exactly. Mm. It's about uh, achieving a balance in there so that the whole thing would, I think, work better. Okay. So, all right. That's my review. Okay. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Sorry that this uh, episode was not as much fun as the first time we did this, but you don't know that. Um, because we were there, but you weren't. <laughs> Thanks for uh, hanging out with us and for bearing along with us as we uh, kind of work our way through these things. And we hope to see you next time. And until then, um, memento mori, usquergo vivere. Remember, you will die. Until then, live. <laughs>